Galatians chapter 5, my subject this morning is the battle for your freedom. That's a phrase you hear a lot today. We hear a great deal about the raging battle in our society over this idea of freedoms. And each side in our political and cultural divide claims that it is their rights and their freedoms that are being attacked. We hear this in the public discussion about life and when it begins. We hear this in the discussion about how far your religious practices are allowed to go. We hear this in the discussion about who should have ownership about who gets to influence our children and what they're allowed to be taught, even within our homes. There is this constant discussion and literal battle over the idea of freedom. Everyone is concerned with someone taking away their rights to live the way they choose. And that's because it seems that no one wants to be told what to do. No one likes to be told what to do unless it's something they agree with anyway. Then you can go ahead and tell me something I was going to do anyway. How many know you're not being told what to do then? These discussions have generated tremendous amounts of anger. They've generated tremendous amounts of fear. And because of those two things, they've generated tremendous amounts of division. We become a culture that only wants to be around, live around, and interact with people who agree with us on every important point in life. And yet we can't even agree on what the important points in life are. There is a battle ranging around us. I spent a lot of time talking about that because none of that's what I'm going to talk about today. I want to talk about not the battle raging around us, but the battle raging within us because the outcome of that battle is far more critical to our individual well-being and our well-being as a people than the battle that rages on the outside. Galatians chapter 5, I'll begin reading in verse number 16, backing up to verses we read last week. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Throughout this letter to the churches in Galatia, Paul has talked about the liberty and freedom that Christians have in Jesus, that we are not bound by a system of rules, that Christianity is not just a simple list of do's and don'ts, he wanted to let them know that when you come to Jesus, Jesus sets you free. And he didn't want them to move into a system where they were trying to be justified before God through what they did, through a series of works. Rather that the only way they would be justified before God, not, before, not by what they did, by what Jesus did. And if you were trying to justify your existence and justify your presence before God by your own works, you were literally wasting your time. 
You are justified before the Father because the Son of God paid the price. He covered our sins with his blood. Your works will not gain you any standing or favor with God. That happens because when God looks at us, he sees his son first. This is what justifies us in the presence of almighty God. My works can't do that. Only Jesus can do that. Jesus takes people who were in bondage and sets them free. But how does this freedom work? What does it look like? How do I live a life of freedom that Jesus wants me to live? In the verses we just read, the Apostle Paul reminds us that there is a battle, a conflict, a contrast going on in each one of us. The spirit in us wants to do one thing and the flesh wants to do something else. And not only does the flesh want to do something else, the flesh is purposed to do exactly the opposite of what the spirit wants to do. They are contrary. They are opposites. They resist one another. They do not overlap. They do not cooperate with each other at any point. And Paul can relate. Romans chapter 7, verse 15 For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. Anyone can relate with the Apostle Paul? That there are things we want to do in living this life for Christ, and it just seems that so many things get in the way. And we have this tendency to want to blame society and want to blame our schedules and want to blame our families and want to blame our circumstances. Let's be real. The only thing getting in the way is the person you look at in the mirror. But Paul understood. I'm not even sure if he had a mirror to look at. So although we've been set free by the blood of Jesus, this, there is a tug of war going on inside us. People say, I am free. And to them, what that means is that I am free to do whatever I want. That is not freedom, that's chaos. Also, when you and I gave our hearts to Jesus, he did not just become our savior, he became our Lord. Which means we are no longer free to do whatever we want. We have made a decision that I'm going to do what he wants. Our desire is to not do whatever we want. We want the wants of Jesus, the desires of the Lord, to be what we move forward in. Our desire is to follow his destiny for my life, not my own preconceived notions, not chart out my own. Our desire is to be his disciple, until he calls me home. But we have this conflict. So how do we battle or fight for our freedom? The first step, I think, can be an easy step, but it can be a difficult step to follow through with. The first step in this battle for freedom is to choose sides. You need to choose a side. There is no sporting event, no sport on the planet where you're allowed to walk on the field as one of the professional athletes wearing both uniforms. That would look 
dumb, completely out of character. In those interleague baseball games, when the Mets play the Yankees, they don't have any player that walks out with a Yankee and Met uniform on. First of all, the man would probably be stoned. You have to choose sides. We must decide which side we want to be on. We must decide which side we want to win and then declare that choice publicly. And it doesn't matter to me what the world chooses. I want in every area of my life for Jesus to win, his ways to win, his spirit to win in my life. We must decide and proclaim where our loyalties lie. Call truth only what he calls truth. And embrace the idea that Jesus is not just a good way. He's not just a better way. He is the only way. What the world calls freedom is bondage. So what do they call freedom? Let's continue reading Galatians 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Gee, I wish Paul would stop being so vague. Could he be more clear? Not only what the things that you shouldn't do are, but what the consequences are if you do. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And in the Greek, that word practice makes, is, makes a regular habit of them. Our world will say, I have the freedom to choose sexual immorality. I have the freedom to idolize and, final, and, and, and bow down to any idol I want. I have the freedom to be as angry as I want and express it in any way I want to anybody I want. I have the freedom to be as selfish as I want. I have the freedom to get as drunk as I want. And I wholeheartedly agree. You have that freedom, but the issue is you're using your freedom to choose a path of bondage. But you have to understand, Pastor, it's my nature to just blow off like that. It's how God created me. Now, hold up. No, it's not. God didn't create you in a way that wouldn't allow you to follow him. So knock that off. Choosing these steps is choosing to no longer live in freedom, but choosing to live in a cage. We can use our freedom to do any of these things, but we're giving up our freedom in the process. They are all works of the flesh. And the works of the flesh are bondage. Works of the flesh are contrary, Paul says, to walking in the spirit. Which means they're contrary to the freedom that Jesus died to provide. So many people claim that Jesus is trying to ruin everyone's fun. 
Take away my ability to have pleasure. No, he just can't help but seeing the end result of the nonsense and the poor choices that most people make. God knows that he has declared the wages of sin is death. You can play all you want, but there will be a payday. The wages of that sin is death. Walking after the flesh is walking after bondage. And Jesus wants to set you and me and everyone else free. So, okay, we don't do those stuff. So that's bondage. What does freedom look like? You ask such great questions. Galatians 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. But let's not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, he links all of these attributes to walking in the spirit. And at the beginning of this chapter, we talked about a few weeks ago, we talked about this liberty is only possible in the spirit. Haven't you found, let's be honest, that it takes the spirit of God to love some people. That you need a dose of Jesus before you get near some people. In fact, you need an extra dose of Jesus before you get near some people. Haven't you found it takes the spirit of God to be joyful in certain situations? Especially when some of the people in your lives have this permanent rain cloud just connected to them. Haven't you found it takes the spirit of God to maintain your peace in certain situations and in certain company? Haven't you found it takes the spirit of God to endure and maintain your faithfulness and commitment in a difficult situation that goes on for a long time? Because how many know that the word long suffering means suffer long? Not for a day not for an hour, a long time. How many know it takes the spirit of God to be kind in certain situations? I know you're all spiritual. You've never been in a situation where someone did something to you that was just so uncalled for and so unjustified and so unkind, and you've never wanted to just take a bat and just beat them senseless. Realizing that in your mind, you wouldn't be beating them for long because to beat them senseless wouldn't take a lot of time. But it takes the spirit of God to be kind. It takes the spirit of God to be good and faithful. It takes the spirit of God to be gentle. We live in a harsh and crass society. This notion of being gentle is forever seen as being weak and being passive but I wish that some people could realize in the situations where I've been able to channel the spirit of God and be gentle, what God saved them from. 
because it was better I was gentle than I was not. And that's true for all of us. But this is not happening because we're just trying to summon up human willpower. It takes the spirit of God and Christians walking in this spirit to let any of these things happen. And the biggest one, which I'm glad he saved it for last. How many know it takes the spirit of God to look in the mirror and say no? Self-control. But pastor, you don't realize I couldn't help myself. You do understand that the day you became a Christian, you gave up the right to say that phrase. Because the Bible says you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So the notion that I couldn't help myself, well, you don't have to help yourself. That's what Jesus is for. But we have to walk in the spirit. It takes the spirit of God to be able to not tell people off sometimes. It takes the spirit of God to maintain your Christian walk, I believe, and drive on Long Island. Because there are crazy people out there who have driver's licenses. And they do things. And they cut you off. And they stop where they're not supposed to stop. And then when you honk your horn at them, they look at you and tell you how friendly you are. In sign language, say that you are number one in their lives. And it is the spirit of God channeling in your life that allows you to just smile back and say Jesus loves you and mean it. Because we all say Jesus loves you, but what we're saying is, I hope you weren't off a cliff or something like that. This is the fruit of the spirit, and it is what sets us free. Because when someone does something and we react to it, they are controlling our actions. Church, that is bondage. And God wants you free. Someone getting mad at me and yelling at me doesn't mean I have to yell back. It's not maintaining my dignity. It's not maintaining my personhood. It's showing that they control me. And they're not going to control me. Jesus is going to do that. Now, some are going to say, well, being gentle and being kind, that's just not me. Or, as I said before, they will blame God. God didn't create me to be gentle. But life isn't about you being the best naturally you you can be. Our goal is not to get to the height of our natural selves, our destiny is to get the height of our spiritual selves. And that's going to involve walking in the spirit and letting him flow through us. We're able to go to so many different places with Jesus. Jesus can and wants to take us higher. With Jesus, life can really become something better supernaturally when we let the spirit of God work in us. And Paul says to those who are trying to do this, and it's often just kind of glanced over, 
that this is done by those who have crucified the flesh. We understand what that word crucify means? It doesn't say those who have put the flesh in a corner for a while. It doesn't say those who have taken the flesh and put it on pause for a moment. To crucify is to destroy, to put to death. So many people want to play both sides. So many Christians want to be able to sing and praise and worship on Sunday and yell and scream and curse on Monday. We don't get to give Jesus Sunday and keep a few days for ourselves. Keep some back as if, you know, I give, I'll give Jesus a few days, but I need a few to my own. We are all his. Every ounce of us, every moment of us, and that is freedom. Walking in the freedom Jesus gives to live a life of freedom where I am not bound by the dumb choices of other people, where I am not bound to react in certain ways that our culture is saying over and over again. Well, when this happens to you, the only natural healthy thing is to respond in this way. When it comes to responding healthy, I'm going to go to the Bible. When it comes to responding naturally, I'm not interested in responding naturally. I want to respond supernaturally. I'm not interested in being the best human being. I want to be the best saint, servant of God, and follower of Jesus I can be. We've got this thing all turned around where it's about standing up for our human dignity. And I'm not saying being a doormat, but when it comes to living a life of freedom, living a life of liberty, walking in the spirit. Look at that list in verse 22. Those are not attributes or characteristics that our culture exalts or celebrates. We don't celebrate kind people. We don't celebrate gentle people. We don't celebrate joyful people. When we see someone joyful, we want to know what have they been smoking, what have they been taking, or what, are they, what bar do they just come from? Because that has to be the only reason why you're joyful. After all, look at what's going on around us. Look at the world and its condition. Look at the anger. Look at the crime. Look at the lawlessness. Look at all. How can you be joyful? Because no matter what happens on this planet, Jesus is still Lord. He will always be Lord. And I can remain in joy. Does that mean I'm not going to, that I won't be impacted or affected by the world around me? Of course I will. Every mass shooting just takes something out of us, doesn't it? Especially when it happens at a school. When someone close to us passes into eternity, even though we know their eternal destiny, it hurts. And it just seems, and, and we've, I've, I've had the experience lately with something personal and then something in our church. When my Aunt Sally passed, it hurt. But for some reason that it's still difficult to explain, when Mario passed away at age 11, it just seemed to hurt more. We looked at age 11, where my Aunt Sally was 75, 
and they were both at the end of long illnesses. But it hurt. But even in pain, we can have joy. Now, I can't promise you as a Christian you're always going to be happy. But I can let you know that Jesus provides joy. And that's much better than happiness, which is why the Bible says it's not the happiness of the Lord, but the joy of the Lord that is my strength. It is my strength. There is a battle for our freedom, and it's raging in each one of us. Now, are we impacted by those close to us? We sure are. Can the situations they're in, the choices they make, the lives they lead, the choices they refuse to make, can all of these things impact us? It sure can. And are we going to, at times, be walking in what seems like quicksand or just difficult going forward? Yeah, at times we will. But there is a freedom that the world doesn't know. You see, when those situations happen in the world, the only way they can find a peaceful night or a moment of peace or a, a small time of calm, it involves medication or it involves an improper relationship or it involves some type of substance. I think what Jesus gives is better than what any corner bar gives. I think what Jesus gives is better what any relationship can offer. Jesus gives freedom. Jesus gives joy. But we need to crucify the flesh. And that can be a long, painful process that we can put off. And it's interesting to me that in this same area, he says, yeah, if we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. I don't know the specifics of what was going on in Galatia at the time. Some of the historical records are not clear about that. I do know what happens today. It seems people live to provoke one another. And in fact, in many settings, provocation is seen as a way to inspire someone. I've been in many business settings where a manager or someone in the chain above me actually believed that the way to inspire me to produce what they wanted to produce was to anger me, to bug me, to provoke me, to incite me. How foolish they were. Especially knowing my passive-aggressive personality, when I realized what they were doing, even when they were provoking me, I dug in my heels more, and I refused to respond. Which just made them even more angry. And then people say, but don't you care? Don't you care? You have no idea how much I care. You're not going to be able to measure how much I care by how often I come back at you on an issue. You want to see how much a Christian cares? Follow them into their prayer closet. And let them, and let them see, and, and see how they take 
all these issues that break their heart to the only one who can do anything about it. And his name is Jesus. Yeah, I care. I care about this world. That's why I pray for it. I care about the American church. That's why I pray for it. I care about my family. That's why I pray for them. I care about all of you. That's why I pray for you. That's why I care. Because to do other things is bondage. Because maybe your experience has been different, but I have learned I can't make anyone do anything. Now, you may have more power than I do. Maybe you're able to make people do things. I can't. I've never been good at passing guilt. Just doesn't work for me. But I can pass joy and peace and love and kindness. And Paul says, against such is no law. I won't need the rules and regulations when I walk in the spirit. Church, there's a battle for your freedom. Your freedom, and I'm not talking about American freedom. I'm talking about the freedom to live in the spirit. Choose sides. Choose sides. I'm not choosing my emotions. I'm not choosing my flesh. I'm not going to blame every misstep I make on the devil, although he's out there working on me. I'm going to choose Jesus. I'm going to choose Jesus, I'm going to follow him. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please.